0: this is Michelle San Jose. You're listening to It Takes a Village. Well, welcome,
1: Michelle. Um, I feel like the last time I saw you was at the Oakland headquarter office Party the opening party <laughs> that feels yeah like it's been a while <laughs> years ago but weirdly enough I think in the sense of uh, the pandemic and everything like time has just kind of slowed down but yeah. it actually hasn't it's been within this year but I feel like I haven't actually physically seen you in forever but thanks so much for being on the podcast today yes, I'm, I'm super, excited to do this I'm super excited to, to um, talk to you because you know it's really funny um, your name always sort of pops up as kind of. Um, a role model of a person to aspire to be, I think, uh, you know, for within RBTs and just like also within, uh, our regional directors talk about a lot about how you're really great at what you do. And I, I wanted to kind of be like, I need to learn more. (laughs) I need to like learn more about who Michelle is and what makes her tick. And, uh, you know, Nicole who's also part of my team was talking a little bit about how amazing your story is. So, so thanks so much for being here. So yeah, let's start with you. I mean, so, who are you? Where are you from?
0: Mm. What's What's your story? Um, well, first of all, thank you. I appreciate all those positive words. Um, I um, am born and raised in uh, San Francisco. My parents um, came here as immigrants from the Philippines, and um, I have been working at uh, SD Legacy for 10 years before we merged with Cadian. so I've been um, doing this work and loving it for the last 11 years. Um, and yeah, I... Uh, I come to work motivated and I'm excited to do this for a very special reason. Um, I have a sister with special needs and um really taking care of her and being part of her every day rehabilitation has inspired me to start doing this work and continuing to do this work is my for my career and so I'm not sure if you want me to do the whole story but I'm more than happy yeah, to Yeah no like just
1: Yeah, no, a little bit about like, so one of the things that we've sort of found in talking to folks is how they even figured out what being, what ABA was or BCBA is, right? But so was it through your sister and her therapy that you learned about this as a career? Like,
0: how did you figure out that, you know, this was something you wanted to do? Yes. Um, So um, I went to college at UC Berkeley intending to go to business school. Um, And my freshman year of college, my sister suffered a traumatic brain injury. So um, she went from having graduated from college and working um, to in a month not being able to speak and walk, um, and she was diagnosed with epilepsy. Um, and so within that month, like my entire life had changed from feeling like I, I, I figured out what I was doing into not knowing what I was doing at all and trying to figure out What does this mean for my role in my life in my career? Um, And that led me to do this. Um, She was discharged from the hospital, and they had said, you know, she she's going to have recurring seizures forever. She will never be able to create another short-term memory. Um, Mm -hmm. She'll always be on medication, Um, and so she couldn't walk. She couldn't talk. And we were saying, okay, like this, this can't be. This can't be. We have to figure out a way to improve the situation so my parents who are the most patient loving people ever i mean my dad quit his job my mom worked double shifts so that we could make it to every appointment and um do speech therapy and physical therapy and vision therapy um and so then that the next year and a half i was very involved in helping my parents because they you know weren't primarily english speaking so um they're you know trying to navigate everything as i was and um so that led me to wanting to change my career path, and I, mm-hmm. um, I initially um, was thinking, you know, I'm gonna go do some social work. I applied to Cal and got my master's there. I'm doing social work with a specialization in health, thinking maybe you know I'll do some family therapy. Like I feel like that's really my strong suit, um, and then I. Started read about the coexistence of autism and epilepsy, and I said, you know, let me look into this. Like, hmm. I want to do something that is similar, but maybe not exactly the same. Um, so as I graduated with my master's from Cal, I uh, did an interview at STE, um, and I started there as a behavior technician in 2009, and that that was my start, and I've never looked back since. Wow, that's incredible. Um So you were a BT, so you were like, you you made the whole
1: progress. So what, um, what is it like being a BT and, and you know, um, any, so we're hoping that some of the folks listening to this are kind of wanting to learn more about the ABA field. Like, so what is that process of like going from BT to then sort of RBT then to, you know, being more senior and then
0: deciding that you want to do the BCBA? Yes. So, um, actually, no, I was trained by Melissa Thompson in 2009, oh, which is, awesome. um, incredible <laughs> because she is now a region, uh, director here at KDN still. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, we've had a long path together. So she trained me initially. Um, I was working with three clients a day, um, commuting around the Bay area and I was immediately energized, you know, like I was like, I'm, I'm helping these kids learn how to communicate and, you know, sit and eat with their families and um, be able to use the bathroom. And the joy on these parents' faces, seeing their kids learn, I was like, I need to do this forever. I need to figure out how to how to, how to, to make this my career. And so um, with the guidance of the other um, BCBAs who are already on staff, I um, I applied to FIT and I did my course right there um, and I sat for the exam and, and became a BCBA. Wow, that's That's, that's awesome. Um, so talk
1: a little bit about like early days and things you've learned, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, I think one of the things that I'm relatively new into the ABA space, but it's amazing. The amount of training you need to do passing the test, becoming a BCBA. I mean, it isn't like a, um, sort of easy path in any way. And it's constantly learning, right? I mean, you're mm-hmm. constantly having to have CEUs and things like that. So yeah. what have you, I mean, if you had to think of like the top three things you've learned, if you had could tell the Michelle of 2009, <laughs> like about, you know, on being on this career path, what would they be?
0: Um, the first thing is probably that the learning will never stop. You know, I've been doing this uh, for a little while now, and there's just so much I learned from from my colleagues or, you know, every case is different. So it's always trying to be creative and um, look at the research and figure out what is going to be best for each case. And, you know, always being able to ask other people for help when you need it. Um, So that's um, definitely one thing. And the second thing is um, how important it is to be part of a team. Um, Being on the other side for so long, even before I started um started doing ABA and I was advocating for my sister and being on that you know like I need to make sure she's getting all the things that she needs like I want to be on a team where the behavior technicians feel like we're working on this together the families know that we are all we all have the same goal we all want what's best for these children um, or adults and um and my my goal is to make sure that I am facilitating a team in a way that makes everybody feel valued um, and that they are heard. Um, And the third thing is to make sure that you're always in having fun. Like this is, this job is inspiring to me because I'm motivated to make change and I want everybody that picks up this job to say, you know what, like I wake up and I'm going to teach somebody something new or I'll be part of an impact that is lifelong. And Nothing is better than that, yeah, I love that.
1: I mean one of the areas that I would love to talk to you a little bit about is like you have been on the other side, right? You have been mm-hmm. the family um, of, of someone who 's getting services, so what any advice or tips for parents who are out there listening to like you know whether it be with cadence or other places where they 're getting services, like how do you become that advocate, and like what are things that you 've learned along? way with your sister that you're like, all right, like every family should do that to be more involved or, or advocate for the right treatment?
0: Um, I would say just constantly try to be involved, making sure that you know what the goals are and that, you know, as the priorities change, letting your team know um, every time there is a concern to make sure that that's always brought up. Um, one of the biggest things I've also worked on in my career is making sure that language is never a barrier to accessing um, services. You know, I saw my parents, struggle trying to get my sister health insurance um, and um, work with people who were able to understand them um, because of their language barrier, um, getting translators when needed. Um, so I've, I currently service the Northeast Bay um, Spanish-speaking population because I want to make sure that these families get the services that they need, and language is never a barrier. Yeah, I think that that is so uh, true. I mean, you know,
1: even in... I manage a lot of the, the info Acadian and, and feedback Acadian lines. Um, and we do get a lot of responses in Spanish of like, hey, can you, like, I can't, I don't understand this, like, uh, especially around COVID and safety things, right? So I think being mm-hmm. really thoughtful about that is really important because we do um, support a very diverse uh, community, like yeah. in California, but also in other places. So I think that's been really um, great. Mm-hmm. Um, so wh- what do you uh, what do you do for fun? Like, what's like, how do you, I mean, obviously you're super motivated you there're probably some tough days at you know at work but also at home like how do you kind of kind of
0: recharge and, and get back at it the next day Um, I do uh, enjoy a lot of extracurriculars. I'm a long-distance runner, so I like to do that after work almost (laughs) every day. I Um, feel like everything you do is just like, yeah, I just do that. Like, I mean, it's just like, is there anything easy you do, like sit on the couch and watch Netflix? (laughs) (laughs) I I like to be on the move all the time, honestly. Um, I I play basketball. Um, I love to cook and bake um, and read books. Um, So I do have things I like to do for um, leisure. But I really, you know, never honestly get tired of work. Like I really honestly wake up excited for work every single day. And I know it sounds cheesy, but it is uh, the honest truth.
1: <laughs> no, that's great. So
0: so tell me about
1: like a cool milestone or like a a win you had last week with with one of your kiddos um
0: or even with oh, a BT. Man. There's so there's so many. I feel like that always Oh well I uh, I'm happy to hear all of them. <laughs> <I'm up>. Um, <laughs> um Oh, this is okay. I'll, I'll have to think of a good one. I mean, I feel like every week there's always um, progress with communication. You know, the um, the ability to see kids move from using pex icons to making their first um, their first like vocal request—that's very exciting. Um, and the last month, I had uh, one little kiddo who went from not having any vocal requests when we first started working together two years ago for our, to having um 15 vocal requests in one month and i mean like that is impressive um that's amazing he's a he was like requesting and labeling um in both english and spanish um which you know his family finds incredibly reinforcing because as spanish speakers they um you know wanted to be able to try to understand as much as they could but you know, wanted to be able to practice the trials with him as well. So we work a lot on, you know, providing them a sheet so that they can understand the translations of, you know, red versus uh, red and white in English and Spanish. And so um, that was uh, a really fun thing to see. So he was able to do that as well as um, he's like saying his name now for the first time after two years. Oh my years. God, that's incredible. Yeah, I'm sure the parents uh, were just like overjoyed with that. Yeah. um, So that was a a really good one. Um, I have a family who is planning on going on a vacation in the near future, and um, he is an early, early teen, and his family had requested having him wear a mask and be ready for that. If you know when he's in close spaces when they're on vacation, and so we went from you know doing five second trials of just like kept tolerating having some someone hold a mask to his face to being able to finish three mile hikes wearing the mask the entire time. Um, so knowing that that program where you're just writing out to just you know do the little steps, and then knowing that that leads to having a family be able to go on a vacation comfortably and successfully like that it's amazing feeling that is amazing so for you know there there are a lot of
1: um parents out there um do you know the first thing they do is they get a diagnosis right and sort of are going through all the feelings that you go through um but you know parents are resilient so the the first thing they do is go to the internet right (laughs) and they read about aba and Uh you know there's a lot of like information, uh, you know, on both sides of ABA. I mean, what do you tell a parent who's sort of like, I'm reading all this stuff. Like some people are super pro ABA. Some people seem to think that, you know, it, it's not like the most kind um, therapy to do. Um, what do you tell a parent? I mean, who's kind of like, they want to do best for their child, but what they don't know. Right. Um, and yeah. they're, they're a little scared to kind of take the next step.
0: Yeah. I think, I mean, I definitely know that the the way that ABA has been portrayed, uh, sometimes it is in a harsh manner, or that it's you know incredibly strict and rigid. Um, And I, I do have a lot of positive feelings for you know like ABA and what we're doing. I think that the um, being able to explain the principles of behavior to families in a way that are um, make them feel comfortable is a good way to start because we you know it's it is a lot of technical stuff. Like we are just explaining. principles of reinforcement and punishment and schedules of reinforcement. And I think like all of that is very overwhelming for somebody in the very Mm -hmm. beginning. Um, And so being able to work on that parent training in ways that think that is easy for them to understand and just really comprehend and make them feel like they're comfortable to ask you any question when they have it um, is the best way to to start because, you know, I think any therapy seems um, seems scary in the very beginning as you're just learning more about it. Um, but I found that being able to explain things in the very beginning um, and also modeling what you're going to teach and how you're going to teach it is also, um, is also really helpful so that you get a lot of buy-in in the beginning.
1: Yeah, no, I think that that's really, um, really great. Um, advice, um, especially too, I think one of the main reasons why we started to do this podcast is to also tell the stories of the people who do it, right? Kind of behind you, right? Like, you know, you're someone who, um, this family has been, you're kind of, you've been on the other side, right? So there, mm-hmm. you're really thoughtful about like the therapies and how to apply it, how to work with the family, because you know, right? You've been sort of probably on the back back end of a Therapy that hasn't been as like collaborative and things like that. So I'm sure that you are, are really thoughtful about how, how you um, uh, provide service, which is really great. I mean, I think my sense too, being kind of like a new person, ABA. Some of the terms seem a little like, mm. wow, that seems like harsh. You know what I mean? Just the mm. way that you know, extinction and mm. punishment and all these sorts of things. But I think mm. they're just the actual scientific terms you've used, but it's not really, you know, the way that's delivered is with a lot of thought and of and like, you know, being very people centered. So I think having exactly. like, the, balance of the two
0: is important. Yeah. Um, the handbook has like this really long like glossary of all the terms of ABA and making sure that, you know, they have that in the beginning. And I think that is definitely overwhelming. Um, so breaking it down and explaining it is always, um, is always a great way to start.
1: Um Awesome. Well, so what's, what, what's, uh, what's in your future, Michelle? What, where do you see yourself in like five, 10 years? I mean, you know, um, it's not, it seems like you're super happy now and not that you need to think about the future, but yeah, like
0: where, where do you, where do you want to go
1: from here? Um,
0: I plan on continuing to do this uh, as, as long as possibly feasible. I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I enjoy this work so much. I am inspired every single day by what these clients are able to do. I'm incredibly happy um, to be at Cadian because we have just, we have such a great team. Um, They're incredibly supportive. I've had um, the best experience with my supervisors um, and my, and my teams, the program supervisors and the behavior technicians that I work with have that same spirit as me. You know, like it's not, I don't think that this is necessarily unique to just me. Um, You know, I get messages all the time that are like, you know, like today he asked his first question and, and they are oh. as excited to to be able to make that change as I am. Um so I think that um I'd like to continue doing this. Um I definitely want to make sure that we're continuing to um be inclusive in our and um, accepting other clients that are Spanish speaking. That's you know, especially in this Bay Area. Um so uh, my focus is to continue working with that population primarily. Um and yeah, hope, maybe I'll see you in this podcast in five years. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know. I love. It. I'd love to see that. I mean, you know, one of our passions actually in marketing is, um, you know, how do we actively market to? um, populations, but that might not even be aware of ABA, right? And a lot of Mm -hmm. it could be because we don't, we are just starting to think about like, how do we do ads in Spanish language, right? Like where are, you know, where are pockets and parents and where do they congregate, right? Um, because it, because it is slightly different. And the same thing with, with apart from Spanish, right? Like we started some programs with Chinese and things like that. So we're trying to kind of like then sort of make sure that we, um, are kind of getting in front of the right, right folks, um, where they congregate, whether it be online or, or in person. So, so we're more than happy to help you <laughs> with your you. With your mission on that. Cause yeah. I, I do think, you know, a big mission of Canadian is, is really to drive access, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that the kids who need it, um, early interventions are the earlier, the better. Right. And as mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not an easy world out there. Like even if you fluently speak English, I can't even imagine like, you know, how you figure out like the different steps and all this sort of stuff, plus have a full-time job and like, you know, all these sorts of things. So I think that, you know, we're going to try to make it as easy as possible um, and really kind of come to them um, where it makes sense. So it's really excited about like working
0: on that in the future for sure. Yes. That'll be, that's still a great need. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah,
1: yeah, I know. Well, the good news is, you know, uh, like translated a lot of the letters now, uh, of the mm-hmm. handbook and things like that. So I think we're kind of becoming more and more multilingual, which is good. Um, I think sort of the next step is a little bit on intake and just making sure that within each sort of population of Cadient, we have someone who can speak, you know, the different languages so we can serve them, um, scheduling the same thing, right? Like just making sure that there's like, uh, you know, end to end help when needed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's great. Well, um, well, thanks so much for the time today. Uh, was there anything that, that we didn't cover that you wanted to cover?
0: Um, I did want to just give a, a little thank you to all of the people that work at and with myself or on other teams uh, to say thanks for your commitment to this job, um, for motivating me to continue to love this job. Um to the families that I work with and all the families that are potentially going to be part of the Cadian family someday, um, thank you for your patience and resilience to something that I'm sure is unexpected and very challenging. Um, you're just amazing in everything that you do so I appreciate any opportunity that I get to work with these families um, and uh, that's that's all. Thank you for cool. the time. I appreciate it. you know I think that
1: um, you know people like you really make what what Cadian is, right you know. Cadian- is a, a bunch of people with a common mission and common vision. And, you know, we all share common um, personality types. And I think that um, you're a great representation of, of who we are. Um, and I'm sure that um, for the future parents or the future BTs or future BCBA's listening to this, will sort of be like, yeah, <laughs> I belong there, you know? Um, Cause I, I definitely think that what you, you said um, makes sense that, um, you know, I think here at Acadian, it really is like a team environment, and we really are focused on, you know, achieving milestones and helping parents the best that way we can. Definitely. Awesome. Thank you. This has been Acadian Production.